Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 138 I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth and they shall sing the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though this, the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Esther chapter 2 verse 19 through chapter 3 verse 6. Now when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her her kindred or her people, as Mordecai had commanded her, for Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she brought she was brought up by him. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agite, the son of the Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were, who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why did he transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, he would not listen to them. They told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury, but he disdained to, to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So, as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out and became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, the field of blood. 
for it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And let another take his office. Good morning, and welcome to the seventh Thursday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Laguna Niguel, California. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 138, Esther 2 and 3, and Acts 1. And a quick side note that uh, tomorrow, for Friday, I won't be recording. Uh, we're going on a just a real brief vacation, and I'm not bringing my laptop. So you'll hear from me again um, Monday, unless it's a holiday. For some reason, I don't think it's a holiday. Uh, but you won't hear from me tomorrow. Um, in Acts, the very beginning of Acts, this is Luke's sequel. Same author, same community. Um, Acts is the the second volume of Luke's gospel. And they don't really, they don't often title these things. Uh, we are the ones, you know, modernity or, well, no, in this case, the ancient church. Um, they're the ones that give names to them. Uh, even later, we added subtitles, which I don't read, um, and then titles to chapters, but like, this is just, it's just text. Um, and uh, so the the second volume, which we know as Acts, begins with kind of tying up some of the loose ends. And one of the loose ends from um, Jesus' ministry is, oh, there were 12, now there's 11, shouldn't we, shouldn't there be 12, like 12 tribes of Israel? Um, and which is funny, uh, funny because like there weren't 12 tribes, there were 13 um, but you don't count um, the two half-tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Um, so it was always just 12 in name only. Um, and so why couldn't there be 11 apostles and you just call them the apostles, but whatever. Um, and Judas is mentioned. Um, and I don't know who David is. It must be earlier in Acts, but... Um, somebody brings up, like, shouldn't there be 12? You know, what about Judas, who, you know, the text kind of makes a parenthetical remark after he um, betrayed Jesus, he bought a, a, a plot of land and he fell off a cliff and died and burst open, bowels gushed out, etc. Um, Luke is explaining to them, to the reader, um, why... You know, not only that this is a fulfillment of scripture, but also why they call it the field of blood and why his camp is desolate. Well, because he he died, and uh, Jews have uh, an aversion to blood, and so nobody would live there. Um, and he draws in this other part from Psalms, which I don't know where it comes from. Um, and it just feels like cherry-picking, let another take his office. Uh, but anyway, so they do. Um, I've, I'm, I mentioned just because, like, you know, the, in the military, there's the difference between full strength and, I don't know what they call, like, partial strength. But every unit I was ever in, we never had as many people as we were supposed to have on paper. Um, I was actually talking with Laura about this the other day. For a fire support team, you your full strength is 10. 
There's three platoons, each with their own Ford Observer and RTO, radio telephone operator. And then the headquarters element for the company, you have the fire support officer and NCO, and then up to two RTOs for them, making 10. And that's never the way it went. <laughs> we never had 10 people on a fist team. Um, and we were still a fist team. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's kind of how I make sense of like, oh, there's, there's not really 12 tribes. Like you can count them and there's not. The 12 sons of Israel, uh, the Levites don't get any land. Um, and Joseph, the second to youngest son, um, has two children who become parts of the tribes of Israel. Um, and so it's this, it's this weird thing of like in, in name only, you know, we're supposed to have 10 fisters on a fist team. We're supposed to have 12 Israelite tribes. Um, but it, it almost never happens and you make it work because, you know, that's, that's just the game, right? Like, um, you can't always have everything you, you're supposed to have. Um, and so you, I don't know. I don't think it's stretching the truth. Um, cause like, I, I don't think I actually knew. I never actually counted the tribes until maybe very recently. And I don't remember when, but like, surely the Israelites knew, um, you know, they, they, all this language about the 12 tribes of Israel and well, there's, there's 13, um, because Joseph is not one of the tribes and his two children are. Uh, the two half-tribes of, of Israel, and call them half. Maybe that's why, like, the math adds up. Um, and so there's this certain fluidity with Scripture and with our tradition. Um, the, you know, as as much as I or, I don't know, anybody with, like, a high church kind of instinct, as much as me, we may really love the idea of, like, everything being in its place and everything having its little thingy, I just don't think that's what the body of Christ is is about. I think, you know, it's a little slapdash. You know, Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, uh, he slid the wounds on his hands and his feet, his forehead, his side. Um, like, it's, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, why not be totally healed? Uh, and I kind of wonder, um, like, we, we imagine Jesus with, you know, pristine skin and this this very uh, succinct, well-contained little cut on his hand. But, like, why the fuck is his skin clean, but, like, and there's this little cut that just, a perfect little, like, uh, not oval, what am I thinking of? I don't know, it just, it looks too clean. And sure, like, Jesus maybe washed off in the river once or twice between um, raising from the dead and ascending to heaven. But, like, he's always pristine. He's got, like, these little tiny hints of, of marks on him. But, like, that's not how the human body works. Um, sure, I'm, I'm sure he started healing and all that stuff. But that's what I, that's the image I turn to when I think about the, the difference between the ideal and the stated uh, on the one hand. And then on the other hand, the reality. Like, embodied human reality is just messy. It never fits the way we want it to fit. Uh, it doesn't meet our requirements. It, it you know, it kind of does, right? Most people have two, you know, ten fingers, ten toes, but some of us don't. 
Um, and I think that's kind of the way the body of Christ is. It's, uh, it's, it would, it's appealing to think that everything is neatly categorized and fits into place. Um, you know, there's 12 apostles. Mm, well, maybe not. Uh, there's 12 tribes of Israel. No, actually kind of sort of maybe not. Um, you know, I think that is a word of encouragement to those who, who don't, who themselves don't always fit, um, because that is who the gospel is for. Um, you know, to, to desire that, that everything fit and to expect that it does is, is kind of an insider perspective. And the gospel is for those who are on the outside, on the people who, you know, don't have the luxury of desiring and expecting everything to have its own little place because they don't have a place. Um, and so I think that is, uh, that that's the mystery of these things, but also the beauty, I think. A prayer for the poor and neglected from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful God, we remember before you all poor and neglected persons whom it would be easy for us to forget, the homeless and the destitute, the old and the sick, and all who have none to care for them. Help us to heal those who are broken in body or spirit and to turn their sorrow into joy. Grant this, Father, for the love of your Son, who for our sake became poor, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.